This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Gunsmoke is an American radio and television western drama series created by director Norman MacDonnell and writer John Meston. The stories take place in and around Dodge City, Kansas, during the settlement of the American West. And the central character is lawman Marshall Matt Dillon, played by William Conrad on radio and James Arness on television. Well, back to the radio we go to hear tonight's episode, The Botten Bride. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Smoke, starring William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. It had been some time since we'd had any real trouble, Anything more than throwing a few juiced-up cowboys in jail to sober up for a few hours. And I liked it peaceful for a change. And I hoped it would stay that way. Well, that morning I'd gone to take a few catfish out of the Arkansas. When I got back to the office, I found a note from Chester. Saying he's at the Alifraganza having a beer. Hello, John. Over here, Mr. Dillon. Any luck, sir? No, about a dozen, Chester. We'll have them for supper. No, that'll be fine. Oh, I've been telling Mr. Carter here about you, Mr. Dillon. Mr. Carter? Robert P. Carter. How do you do, Marshal? Hello, how are you? Buy you a drink? Well, thank you. Yes, I believe I will. I think I'll have a beer. Bartender? A beer. Mr. Yes, Carter came in on the stage from Denver last Saturday. Oh, you live in Denver, Mr. Carter? Oh, heavens no. New York, Marshal. I've only been west a few months, investing money in gold mines and cattle and the like. Mr. Carter's very rich. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, Chester, I will be if Mother Nature holds out. His girl is coming in on the stage today, Mr. Dillon. Oh, is that so? My fiancé, Marshal. He met her in Denver, but she couldn't get ready in time to come here when he did. Ah, I see. I had to come ahead on business. Couldn't wait. We'll take the Santa Fe to St. Louis from here. They're going to be married in St. Louis, Mr. Dillon. Wow. 
Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but is the stage always this late? He's worried, Mr. Dillon, with his girl on the stage and all. <laughs> It'll be a long, Mr. Carter. You talking about the stage? Oh, hello, Shiloh. Shiloh says he's been sitting there by himself all morning, Mr. Dillon. Since last night, Chester. You know something about the stage, Shiloh? Only that it's carrying 50000 in gold out of Leadville. So? Well, maybe that's why it's late. What do you mean, ma'am? Well, if somebody wanted that gold, they'd have to stop the stage long enough to get it unloaded, wouldn't they? Bandits. He means bandits. Now, now hold it, Mr. Carter. You're already bleeding that nobody's shot you yet. Uh, what? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Just take it easy. The stage will get here, all right. It's off on a little oh, late. But this man says it might have been held up. Why, there may have been a shooting. Well, now, now, he's just daydreaming. That's all. Wait, wait a minute. Listen. Huh? Well, there it is now. Oh. <laughs> See, Mr. Carter, there was nothing to worry about. It got here all right. Yes. What is it, Jim? <laughs> Got held up, Marshal. What? Lost 50,000 gold. Where'd this happen? About 20 miles back near Cottonwood Draw, but... Anybody shot? Another shot fired. He tricked you. But James! Uh, Where's James? Driver! Where's the girl who was on this stage? What's happened to her? That's what I started to tell you, Marshal. There's a tree across the road. We got down to move it. This rider got the drop on us. He's all alone. Never mind all that. Where's the girl? He took the gold, took the girl, too. What? He took Jane? You mean to tell me you let him take Jane? Well, now, mister, there wasn't much choice. He held a shotgun on us. They're gone before we could do a thing. Oh, but this, this is impossible. Now, take it easy, Mr. Carter. We'll find him. You'll find it. You were off fishing when it happened. What kind of law is there around here, anyway? Easy, Mr. Carter. I took one of the team after Marshal, but I couldn't get near him. He had an extra saddle horse with him. Put her on that. I see. But I don't think he planned on kidnapping that girl. Where it was, he just looked at her and told her to come along. Did you recognize him, Jim? No. No, his horses are both sorrows. By heaven, Marshal, you'd better get her back here at once, or I'll pick this up with Washington. I'll see you disgraced. Shut up, Carter. Chester, go get our horses and a couple of rifles. I'll get a few more details from Jim here. Well, don't you want a posse, Mr. No, there'd be too much shooting around that girl. Now hurry, will you? Yes, sir, I'll hurry, Mr. Mark my words. We'd better have Jane back here by nightfall, Marshal. You care to ride along, Mr. Carter? No. No, I, I'm, I'm not equipped for that sort of thing. I, I'll take care of matters at this end. Yeah. All right, now, Jim, now tell me first exactly what happened. Well, we just come down into the draw about a hundred yards from the creek. The blood-red sun was drooping over the edge of the prairie when Chester and I reached Cottonwood Draw. We rode hard until night fell, and, and we had to stop and wait for daylight. But with morning, we drew a heavy rain that washed out every track. We rode on anyway. For the next three days, we scouted a big piece of that country. But it was hopeless. Finally, we headed back to Dodge. Empty-handed. Bartender, bring me a bottle, will you? Sure, Matt. Where is she, Marshal? Is she all right? Carter, I... I'm sorry. What? You mean you didn't find them? Rain washed out their trail first morning. We... 
They never picked it up again. They could be anywhere. You came back without her. We did what we could, Carter. Now we'll just have to wait for word of some kind. You'll be seen sooner or later. Wait. Well, I won't wait. This will cost you your job, Marshal. I promise you that. Look, Carter, if it'd make you feel better, why don't you ride out yourself? It isn't my job to keep the law around here, Marshal. It's yours. Yeah. <clears throat> Say, Marshal. <clears throat> yeah, what is it, Shiloh? Big Kate wanted to see you when you got back. Asked me to tell you. Big Kate? All right, thank you. How'd you know, Kate? I can tell by looking at you. It's thousands and thousands of miles at Prairie. It'd been just luck if we'd found them. Nobody's blaming you, Matt. No. Carter is. And I suppose it's hard on him. His fiance and all that. Carter's no good, Matt. Well, I never liked him, but I suppose that doesn't matter. And I'll tell you why he's no good. Do you know something, Kate? Mm. Carter's been drunk a lot while you were out. He was bragging to one of the girls last night. Bragging? What, about what? Not much, to my way of thinking. Well, go on. Well, to make it short, seems Jane's father got into a big deal with Carter up in Denver. Yeah? Carter got him tied up good and then threatened to ruin him. Oh, well, so what happened? He didn't ruin him. He took Jane instead. Yeah. Well, maybe she likes him. <laughs> you don't know much about women, do you, Matt? Do you think a Borton bride is likely to be in love with the man? So that's what I have to bring her back to. Well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> what can I do, Kate? Just have to wait and see what turns up. <laughs> I waited. I waited a week. Carter was drunk the whole time, telling everybody how he was going to fix me good. I'm not doing much about it, except stay out of my way. And things were fairly quiet. Chester and I spent most of our time in the office. Well, he sure fooled me, Mr. Dillon. Well, Carter? Yes, sir. He seemed like such a nice fella. And so rich. He's rich, all right. But poor in spirit. <laughs> You've been going to church again, Chester. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon, last Sunday. Oh, last Sunday. Uh, didn't it uh, rain last Sunday? Oh, I like church, Mr. Dillon. But I sure do hate to get all dressed up. <laughs> you the marshal? Yeah, I am. Here you've been looking for a man and a woman. You know anything, mister? My name's Chad Brown. Just rode in from Satana. Yeah? There was a man and a woman about 80 miles back on the trail. What color horses were they on? Well, as soon as they saw me, they rode off, so I didn't get very close. But both horses were the same color. I guess maybe saw. Yeah. Are you willing to ride back with me, Mr. Brown? I don't know, Marshal. I've got an awful thirst. That woman's out there against her will. 
I'll get our horses. Uh, no, 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 Chester. Uh, be better if you wait here this time. We'll be back in a few days. With luck. Let's go, Mr. Brown. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, Frank Fontaine now brings you comedy with four members of the Frank Fontaine family, guest stars, and a delightful cast of entertainers. Sunday nights on CBS Radio. Listen in for the Frank Fontaine Show tomorrow night. It's refreshing summer listening. So, just for fun, try the Frank Fontaine Show tomorrow night on CBS Radio. Now, the second act. Of gun smoke. Chad Brown and I covered the 80 miles in a day and a half. The outlaw's trail headed south for a few miles and then turned northeast back in the general direction of Dodge. It was hot and still. On the horizon, there were occasional flashes of heat lightning. And then in the distance, we saw the long, low cloud of yellow dust that spelled cattle. A Texas herd trailing north. The kidnappers' tracks led straight into it, and an hour later, we pulled up not far from the swing of the herd. The line of longhorns stretched for several miles across our trail. We watched him, looking for a lag to ride through. All of a sudden, a rider came hallooing down on us. Hold up! Hold up there! Hold! Hold on, hold! You ain't aiming to cross that herd, are you? Have you seen anything of a man and a woman around here, mister? Was they mounted? Yeah, a couple of sorrels. It don't matter. I ain't seen nothing but cattle and cowboys for six weeks. Besides, these cattle are plenty uneasy. They've been dry since yesterday morning. That heat lightning ain't soothing to them. This herd's crossed the trail of an outlaw and a kidnapped woman, mister. That's so. Well, you just have to wait. You can ride around a drog back there, but you can't cut through this herd, mister. Look, I'm a U.S. Marshal out of Dodge, and I haven't got any time to waste. You think we well, can... Well, I sure appreciate your problem, Marshal, but I can't help you. I'm trail boss of this outfit, and I got 3,000 head of cattle here worth maybe $20 a head at Dodge. They're too nervy now, and I sure can't chance your touching them off by riding through there. I guess he's right, Marshal. Should be pretty risky from the look of them. They're moving too fast now. Yeah, I know. Just that I hate to lose the time. You got more time than I got cattle, Marshal. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But I won't attempt to stampede, mister. We'll ride around the drag. We'll see you in Dodge. The Alifragansa's still running? Yeah, it is. Mostly on Texas money. Adios. We rode down along the herd and back up the other side about a four-mile detour. But we picked up the trail again and followed it till dark. Next morning, we found the outlaw still headed straight for Dodge and... All we could figure was that he must be new to the country and just plain lost. Naturally, he'd want to avoid asking questions of anybody. 
By noon, we were in sight of town, and during the last hour, neither Brown nor I said a word. Finally, we rode up Front Street and got down at the jail. Got him, Mr. Dillon. They rode right in here early this morning. Gave himself up, huh? Yes, sir. I got the man locked up in back, and the money is over at the bank. Oh, good. How's the girl, Chester? Oh, she's fine. A little tired, but fine. Yeah. Well, what's his story? Who is he? He calls himself Scott Cooley, but he won't say anything more at all, Mr. Dillon. I, I just gave up on him. I thought I'd better wait for you. Yeah, all right. I'll talk to him first, and then I want to see the girl. Where is she? I didn't like it, Mr. Dillon, but I didn't see what I could rightly do about it. What do you mean? What happened? Well, she sure didn't want to go with him, but that Mr. Carter came here and just the same as dragged her off. She went finally, but I sure don't like it. Well, they didn't leave Dodge, did they? Oh, no, sir. There's no train till tomorrow. They're at the hotel. Oh, all right. I'll go over there later, Chester. Yeah, so you're Scott Cooley, huh? New around here, aren't you? Well, anyways, I never saw you before, Marshal. Well, I've tried hard enough to meet up with you, Cooley. You're in trouble, you know, bad trouble. Marshal, you've got anything to say, just say it right out. I got nothing to say. I'm just curious why you rode into Dodge, that's all. What do you care? I'm here. You got the money back and... Uh, and what? Oh, leave me alone, Marshal. Just leave me alone. You gotta talk sometime. Now listen, Marshal. I'm ready to serve my time. That's why I gave myself up. But talk, no. I don't have to talk. Not for you. Not for anybody else. Mm-hmm. All right, Cooley, have it your way. Marshal. Yeah. Marshal, you you going to See Jane? Yeah. Why? What are you going to see her about? Find out what happened? Yeah. Marshal, I don't suppose you'd let me out of here just long enough to kill Carter. Now you mean the girl told you about it? I wouldn't care if I hanged for it. It'd be worth it to kill him. Mm-hmm. Tell me something. What makes you think what you did's any better? What? You wouldn't understand, Marshal. But you... uh, You do what you can for her, will you? Anything else you want to tell me? No. That's all. Matt Dillon. What do you want? Open the door, Carter. I want to talk to the girl. Some other time, Marshal. You want me to kick the door open? <laughs> You're asking for trouble, Carter. Uh, how do you do, miss? I'm Marshal Dillon. 
How do you do, Marshal? I, uh, I know you've been through a lot, miss, but I have to get the whole story from you so as I can file the proper charges against this outlaw, Scott Cooley. You want to use me to put him in prison? Is that it? Well, he's committed two crimes, robbery and kidnapping. We'll want him up for both. Doesn't the fact that he gave himself up and, and returned the money help at all? I, I'm afraid I don't gather your drift. Then let it go at that, Marshal. We're leaving Dodge on the next train. So Jane won't be here to testify anyway. Now? Is that what you have in mind, Jane? No. I mean, I don't know. Oh, please. She's upset enough. Marshal, leave her alone. If I want anything out of you, Carter. I'll knock it out and I'll shut up. You can't talk to me like that. Wait. Marshal, I'll, I'll tell you all about it, but first... Yeah? Well, not in front of him. Make him go out, and then I'll tell you. All right, Carter. Outside. Don't you order me around. This is my room. And... I'll throw you. If I open the door and find you around, I'll throw you all the way downstairs. Now get it. All right, now. Jane, you can talk. Can I trust you, Marshal? Really trust you? Well, that's up to you. But I'll tell you this. I know about Carter. About you and Carter, that is. Then you... You know how I hate him. Yeah? But right now, I'm curious about this kidnapping. What happened? Why did Cooley give himself up? Because we decided we... We couldn't live being hunted down the rest of our lives. Ah. Uh -huh. Oh, you were in on it with him, huh? No, Marshal. The first time I ever saw Scott Cooley was when he held up the stage. I'd like to believe that. Very simple, Marshal. I love Scott Cooley. What? I love him. Oh, now look, Jane. Girls like you just don't go around falling in love with outlaws. Don't they, Marshal? No, they don't. I did. Then... Either you're crazy or you're lying to me. And if you weren't a woman, I'd throw you in jail right along with him. I'm a woman, Marshal, but I've no objection to going to jail with Scott. Now, then you admit you're his accomplice. No. I suppose it's hard for you to understand, Marshal. It is. Well, I'll try to make it simple. You see, Scott doesn't know why he took me with him when he held up the stage. He's never done anything like that before. It just seemed perfectly natural to him. He saw something he wanted, and he took it. That's all. I'm afraid the court will look at it somewhat differently. Well, I, I suppose he'll go to prison for the holdup, but, but not for kidnapping. Why not? Because I'll testify that I went with him of my own free will. I almost wish you two hadn't ridden back to Dodge. Marshal. Yeah? You said you know about Bob Carter and me. Yeah? Well, Scott's been wild, and, and he's done wrong, but but he's never done anything really evil. Well, maybe you're better off with Cooley. If he straightens out. You know I am. Don't you, Marshal? It's no business of mine. I, I'm a peace officer and not a matchmaker. My job's to keep Cooley under arrest and get him up for trial, and that's all. Now, what you do is your own business. You can testify any way you like. I, I can't stop that. Oh, please. Marshal, help me. There's no one else who can. Yeah, who is it? 
Carter, open this door. <laughs> well, gentlemen, there are four of us here, Marshal. We figure you've talked to Jane long enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have, Mr. Carter. You're leaving. Yeah. Yeah, we're leaving. Are you ready, Jane? Oh, thank you, Marshal. Yes, I'm ready. Jane isn't going with you. I've just put her under arrest. Under arrest? I arrest anybody I think needs arresting, Mr. Carter, and I'm not in the habit of explaining why. There's a law about that, You're Marshal. You're on dodge, Mr. Carter. Come along, Jane. You can't do this, Dylan. We won't stand for it. Ah, you're a fool, Carter. I know these three bums you got with you, and they don't want to draw on me any more than you do. You fed them some liquor and promised them more. For that, they'll do anything, anything but face me in a gunfight. Am I right, boys? Huh? Well, I take it I am. All right, now get out of my way. Huh? You go first, Jane. You stay here, Jane. Take your hands off her, Mr. Just step over him, Jane. Mr. Dillon, I don't like to say anything. Well, then don't, Chester. But I can't help it, Mr. Dillon. This is the first time you've ever jailed a woman, and I just don't like it. <laughs> Good. What? I don't like it either, Chester. What's this all about, Mr. Dillon? Chester, Jane, and Cooley are in love. My. <laughs> don't look so dewy-eyed about it. Cooley's got to stand trial yet, you know. I want no part of this, Marshal. Now what, Shiloh? Never did like that, Carter. Well, what's he up to? Oh, sir, he's drunk and he's buying liquor for everyone. He's making a lot of talk. There's about 20 men with him now. Where? Texas Trail. Nobody likes it about this girl. Looks like they'll come over here and try to bust her out of jail. Uh, Chester. Yes, sir? Those horses still out back. Yes, sir, I was going to put them away later. No, leave them, leave them. Uh... Now, will you get over to the Texas Trail and stall those men for a while? Huh? All right, Mr. Dillon. Come on, Shiloh. Not me. I'm going to bed. I got two drunk last night. That's the worst hit on. Cooley? Hmm? Come on up. What is this, Just Martin? hurry it up, will you? Let's go, Jane. Oh, no, no. Stay where you are, Jane. I don't You'll do like what this. I tell you, Cooley. It's all right, Scott. We can trust him. Yeah, but I don't know what he's Scott. got. Scott. Well. All right, Jane, if you say so. All right, now, I'm back. Here, that way. Now, come on, let's move. All right, you take the gray horse, Jane. He's gentle enough. But hurry, will you? Sir. Come here. <laughs> Where are we going, Marshal? We're going to Hayes City. Cooley's going to stand trial there. Yeah. They got the money back, Scott. They can't do much to you. I know. But there's that 
that kidnapping, too. I won't testify. That's all. Jane, you're going to have to testify. You'll be in contempt of court if you refuse. Then I'll lie. Anyway, I did go of my own free will. After a while, anyway. That's perjury. But you don't have to do that either. There's an easier way. Ah. Well, before I deposit Cooley in the Hayes City Jail, we might just make a little stop. What do you mean, Marshal? Stop where? We, uh, we're going to stop at the preacher's. You know, a married woman can't testify against her husband. God. God. <laughs> Come on, honey, let's ride. Gunsmoke. Transcribed under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was especially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were John Stevenson, Larry Dobkin, and Patricia Walter, with Mary Lansing, Herb Ellis, Jonathan Hole, Jim Nusser, and Frank Gerstel. Parley Bear is Chester. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Millions of radio listeners visited Duffy's Tavern each week, but Duffy himself was nowhere to be found. Although he dutifully phoned Archie, the manager, each week, he never once dropped by. Duffy's Tavern first opened its doors to radio listeners on March 1st of 1941. It was a New York dive that featured terrible food, worst service, and big-name celebrity guests. Well, let's hear what's happening tonight around the bar. Truchet, the hand lotion with the beforehand extra, and Vitalis for well-groomed hair, bring you Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. No man is well-dressed unless his hair is well-groomed. So take the tip. Try the way successful men in both sports and business keep their hair looking its very best. It's Vitalis and the 60-second workout. See how the Vitalis workout helps your hair, helps stimulate your scalp. See how it prevents dryness, routes loose dandruff, and helps check excessive falling hair. And see how Vitalis keeps your hair handsome and healthy-looking with never a trace of a greasy patent leather shine. For there's not a single drop of mineral oil in Vitalis. So try Vitalis and the 60-second workout. You'll like it. And you'll like what it does for the looks of your hair. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Why do you late to eat meat to eat? Archie, the manager. <laughs> right away. 
Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. <clears throat> Look, I just got quite a compliment. Yeah, the uh, glass eater from the circus uh, was in. He says our blue plate special lunch was delicious. <laughs> yeah, he left the luncheon at the plate. <laughs> well, Duffy, in his business, you know, he can't take chances with his stomach. <clears throat> Another thing, the inspector from uh, Weights and Measures was in, you know, and complained about the size of our whiskey jiggers. Yeah, he says they were too small, so <laughs> I tricked him. I gave him a drink of our bar rye, and then he complained the jiggers was too big. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Duffy, I'm going down to the bank to ma- make a deposit. Well, yeah, nothing like having a little dough put aside. I, you know, I quit smoking, stopped going to movies, and quit buying fancy clothes, been keeping away from dames. Yeah, for the first time, I'm really enjoying life. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, can I have an hour off to go to the bank? I can't. Now, look, Duffy. You know, tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, and uh, I've been meaning to ask you, uh, did St. Patrick chase you out of Ireland? Ah, <laughs> huh? go soak your head. Sergeant, did I hear you say you was taking an hour off? Why not? It's my turn. Oh, you figure. You had an hour off last year. <laughs> Besides, it's uh, rather urgent, you know. I have an important appointment with my bank. I'm uh, making a deposit. How much? Ten bucks. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, ten bucks ain't hey. Hmm. Nowadays, it ain't even money. <laughs> All right. Which, which bank are you going to? Well, that's my big problem, uh, finding a bank that I can trust. Hmm. <laughs> That's a switch. Up till now, your big problem was finding a bank that would trust you. Uh, how come you're getting so thrifty all of a sudden? Well, I think a guy should look out for his future, you know? You never can tell when disaster is liable to strike. Mm, like what? Oh, sickness, accident, marriage. <laughs> now, take you. Uh, how much do you make a week? Including tips? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> And out of that, how much do you save? Practically nothing. But I'm going to be different. No more throwing dough away, like on dames. You know, look what it cost me to go out last Saturday night. You mean with dollar snapper? Yeah. Joe's diner wasn't good enough for it. She has to go to one of them high-class places where it's dining and dancing. Mm, cost you plenty, huh? You know how them jukeboxes eat up nickels. <laughs> Another thing I'm going to cut down on is me rent. Why do I need a six-room apartment? How much does it cost you? Twenty. Nine bucks a month. <laughs> that much? Well, I rented it when the apartments were scarce and I got stuck with a lease. <laughs> now, except from now on, I'm going to be known as Thrifty Archie. I'm going to put a little something aside, you know? Eddie, we can all take a lesson from the squirrels, you know? All year round, they're busy storing up nuts. Hello, Finnegan. Uh, Hi, thanks, Art. Finnegan, you see before you a new Archie. Did you get a good trade-in on the old one? (laughs) Finnegan, what I mean is I'm trying to figure out how to cut down the cost of living. Well, that's simple. Oh, yeah? How do I do it? Drop dead. I'm afraid your method is a little too roundabout. <clears throat> well, there's two sides to that question. What do you mean? I'm a little off-center. 
You're staying there, too, don't you, buddy? Yes, you might have gotten a laugh if I'd read the right line there, too. <laughs> that I know. Want to try it again? Yeah, well, there's two sides to that question. Where do you stand? <laughs> uh, I am a little off-center. <laughs> that I know. <laughs> But uh, take your case, for instance, yeah. Finnegan. Uh, do you manage to save any money? Oh, certainly. For instance, every time we weigh ourselves, me and me kid brother save a penny. How? We both get on the scale at the same time. You both can. Then how can you tell what each one weighs? Simple. We divide by two. Finnegan, that don't make no sense. One of you has to weigh more than the other. What's the difference, Doc? It's all in the family. He's a little off-center. <laughs> Look, uh, after you save these pennies, what do you do with them? Oh, I go to Coney Island and have a good time. Yeah, and you never think of saving anything for a rainy day, though, hmm? Who wants to go to Coney Island on a rainy day? Finnegan, <laughs> I'm beginning to conclude that you don't know nothing about economics. Well, I could have told you that. <laughs> well, uh, would you like me to explain the economic system to you? Is there any way I can get out of it? No. Then please do. Okay. We'll start with money. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, take the dollar, or as it is known today, the half dollar. <laughs> now, if you put it in a bank, they pay you 1% interest. But well, how can they make money that way? Well, they lend it back, the end charge you 6%. See? That is, of course, unless you're very poor. If you're poor, the bank don't charge you the 6%. How come? They don't lend you the money in the first place. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Uh, uh, I think so, except for one minor point. What's that? What's the economic system? <laughs> I think I'm wasting my time. Look, oh, Eddie, sure. keep an eye on the joint while I get down to the bank, will you? Hey, can I go on with you? What do you want to go to the bank for? I'd just like to stand there and drool. <laughs> well, here we are, Eddie. The Third Avenue Bank and Trust Company. Yeah. Look what it say on the window. Assets, $36 million. Little did I know that in a few minutes they'll have to add ten bucks to that sign. I <laughs> know. Uh, Leave us find the president's office. That is right there. See that? See that? J. B. McIntosh, president. J. B. McIntosh. Think I should uh, just call him J. B. Why not? He'll probably call you by your initial. You know how it is with them presidents. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us go in. Uh, Mr. McIntosh? Uh, yes? Uh, sir, uh, I am a potential depositor. Uh, do you mind if I ask a few questions? Not at all. Well, uh, nothing personal, but uh, can you prove to me that your brank ain't crooked? I uh, beg your pardon? Come, come, McIntosh. You know what I'm driving at. Do you maintain a fiduciary balance uh, to offset diminishing debentures on the fiscal? I, I don't understand. Uh, what he want to know is, if he put it in, do he get it out? 
thank you, Eddie. What's your answer to that one, Macintosh? Young man, you can take your money out at any time unless you put it in our Christmas club. Oh, what happens then? Then the money can't be taken out till next December. Yes, I suppose there are redundant circumstances. <laughs> Sorry, but we're very strict. You see, some of our depositors are weak and spineless and haven't enough character to resist temptation. Miss Archie, give the man the money. <laughs> uh, what amount did you plan to deposit, young man? Well, I was uh, planning something in the general neighborhood of ten bucks. <laughs> ten bucks? Yes. Oh, goody. Now we can build that annex. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and we're back from the bank. Uh, and... Don't bother me, Archie. I'm busy taking care of a customer. Oh, a customer. Good. What's he buying? Nothing. He's selling me a watch. <laughs> oh, let me see that. Hey, let me look at that watch. Hey, it's pretty good. What do you want for it, stranger? Ten bucks. You got a deal. Uh, will you trust me till Christmas? <laughs> hey, what's your offer, bud? Me? Uh, uh, two bucks. Cash. Brother, you bought yourself a watch. <laughs> so long, fellas. Finnegan, how can you be such a jerk letting that guy sell you such a crummy watch? I'll bet it don't even run. Well, if it don't, the laugh's on him. How come? I can't tell time. <laughs> Some people just never learn. Hello, Arch. Oh, hello, Joe. Hey, nice watch you got there, Finnegan. Would you like to sell it? Oh, good. Maybe. Well, how much? Well, I want five, but I'll take ten. <laughs> you, you want five, but you'll take ten, huh? What do you say we split the difference? Okay, it's your deal. Three bucks. <laughs> hey, hey, that's pretty good, huh? I paid two and I get three. Yeah, Joe, what are you going to do with the watch? Uh, give it to my girl. A cheap watch like that? Arch, it's not the watch, it's the sentiment. Besides, a watch like that on my girl's wrist will get everyone to notice her hand. You can't say that again. Well, naturally, Arch. <laughs> After all, she has lovely hands. Truché, you know. I know. <laughs> and there's nothing like Truché to care for hands, because Truché is the beforehand lotion. Something really different in hand lotions. You can use it before you get to work, before you do dishes, before you put your hands in water. And Truché is so effective that it will guard your hands even in that hot, soapy water. But you can also use Truché as you use ordinary hand lotions. Anytime your hands need a creamy, softening lotion. So get Truché and get an all-around hand lotion that gives you beforehand protection. Something no ordinary lotion gives you. Get Truché, the beforehand lotion, and get softer, lovelier hands. Uh, hey, Art, yeah? if you buy a watch for two bucks and you sell it for three bucks, uh, how much do you make? Uh, 50%. Mm. How much do they pay you in the bank? 1%. Gee, Arch, I wish I had your brain. <laughs> Don't be sarcastic. At least in the bank, I know the money is safe. That is, I think it is. Yeah. Eddie. Uh, yeah? I'm just thinking, when we was down to the bank, did you notice that cashier? What about him? You notice he always kept his hat on? <laughs> and that president, uh, that Macintosh, I wonder. Give me that phone. Hello? Uh, Third Avenue Bank and Trust Company? 
Look, would you kindly peek into Mr. McIntosh's office and see if he's still there? <laughs> he is? Okay, thank you. Uh, well, that's that. Hey, Mr. Arthur, ain't that Max the Bookie over there? Max the Bookie? Yeah. Guy from the racetrack? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wonder if he's heard I got money. Arch. Sweet Sue in the third race. He heard. <laughs> uh, look, Max, I quit betting the horses. I don't want no more of them phony tips. Phony? You heard me. That last horse you give me. When a race starts, he has to run in the wrong direction. Then when he gets halfway around the track, he faints. Well, it was the shock, Arch. It was the first time he'd ever seen other horses face to face. Oh, yeah? Well, what about that other short thing? The one where you told me the jockey was your own brother. The horse was full of Benzedrine. The judges was all fixed. How come I lost on that one? Well, Arch, can I help it if somebody pulls something crooked? <laughs> Look, Max, you're wasting your time. I'm through betting on horses. I got me money safely tucked away in the bank. You put it in the bank? Yeah. What odds did they give you? <laughs> they didn't give me no odds. You mean they only give you even money? What is the world coming to? Look, Max, get out of here, will you? You're wasting oh. your time. Okay. Uh, maybe some of your pals would like to make a few bucks, huh? Uh, how about you, bud? Not me. Last horse I bet on, he came in so late at night, he had to tiptoe into the stable. <laughs> well, okay, gents. Just remember what I told you. Sweet Sue in the third. Are you kidding, Sweet Sue? He couldn't run his way out of a paper bag. Well, then uh, what about Blue Boy in the fourth? Blue Boy, strictly a nag. Okay. Uh, how about this one in the sixth? A horse called Money in the Bank. Max, I'm not going <laughs> to... Money in the bank. Uh, there might be a hunch. Yeah, Max, uh, are you sure this is a good tip? Oh, I figured it out according to my system. What system? Well, don't you remember? Who gave you Valdina Marl in the gold cup? You did. And who gave you Speed King in the Preakness? You did. Who gave you Lady Luck in the Kentucky Derby? You did, but so what? All them horses lost. <laughs> well, Arch, no system is perfect. <laughs> hey, look, uh, this horse, this money in the bank. Yeah? Uh, what's the yard done? Four to one. And, brother, you can put your shirt right on his nose. Won't that interfere with his breathing? <laughs> Wait a minute, Max. Huh? You're a bookie. If this horse is such a hot tip, how come you're willing to bet against yourself? I'm the friendly type. <laughs> you see, you guys are all pals of mine. I'd like to make you happy. Well, that's good enough for me. I'll bet three bucks on him. Okay, you want to bet him to win? What do you think, to lose? Finnegan, <laughs> you're making a big mistake, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah? Like I did with the watch, eh? Okay. Play, Gypsy. Dance while you may. Turn the radio on, Eddie, and uh, leave us see what happens. Okay. Wait a minute. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And now the horses are rounding the first turn. It's Skyrocket out in front, followed by Sea Breeze, Lady Pilot, and Money in the Bank. Dude, come on, Money in the Bank! As J.P. Barnum says, there's one born every minute. <laughs> now they're in the straightaway. It's Skyrocket, Sea Breeze, and Money in the Bank, moving up into third position. 
To quote Benjamin Franklin, uh, a penny saved is a penny earned. <laughs> Come on, money in the bank! And now it's neck and neck, skyrocket and money in the bank. Benjamin Franklin felt that a modest return on a modest investment was always necessary. And here comes money in the bank. It's money in the bank by one length. Benjamin Franklin. <clears throat> and now it's money in the bank by two lengths. You're out of boy, money in the bank. Uh, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, the... And money in the bank is the winner. Oh, boy, the winner. Yeah, and four to one. Did you hear that, Miss Arthur? That stinking Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Look, Art, I think I'll call up my mother and tell her the good news. You're going to spend a nickel to call your mother? Oh, I made 12 bucks. See? Easy come, easy go. <laughs> These horse players is all alike. Go ahead, throw away your nickel. Hmm. No answer. Someday you'll listen to your old Uncle Archie. Yeah. I guess I better hang up. <laughs> oh, hey, look! Look, a hat full of nickels! Oh, boy! What was you saying, old Uncle Archie? <laughs> okay, scoff me, but I still say me money's gonna stay in the bank. Archie, bonsoir, mon chéri. Well, Rennie, ain't seen you in a long time. Did you miss me, Archie? Yeah, now that I see you, I... Realize how much of you I've missed. <laughs> you lost a little weight, didn't you? Yes, I've been taking reducing pills. Reducing pills, huh? Wonderful how them little pills know just what to leave alone. <laughs> Look, uh, Rene, uh, ain't this kind of a surprise visit, though? Uh... Well, I was thinking about you, and I felt a little lonesome. Oh, I thought maybe you heard I got money in the bank. You have money in the bank? Yes, in a Christmas fund. Oh. Yes, you see, a friend of mine, uh, Mr. McIntosh, the president of the bank, uh, Mr. McIntosh says I gotta keep it there. You uh, mean you can't take the money out till Christmas? Uh, well, Mr. McIntosh says Archie, that... why wait till December when it could be Christmas tonight? Rennie, you mean... Yes, we could dance together. And you could hold me real close in your arms. But uh, Mr. McIntosh says the <laughs> bank has a rule. That then they... later on in the evening, we could go someplace where we could be all alone. Just the two of us. <laughs> Hello, Macintosh. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Look, uh, Macintosh, uh, this is Archie. I got me my... Hello? Hmm. I think I'd better go down there in person. Uh, Rennie, please, uh, wait here, though, in the meantime, will you? And, 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 and don't lose the mood. <laughs> but, Mr. Archie... Uh, would Benjamin Franklin approve of you spending your money this way? Eddie, Benjamin Franklin was a much older man than I am. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, 
Archie, the answer is no. But, Mr. McIntosh, you're a banker. You got a heart, ain't you? Who, me? <laughs> Look, Mr. McIntosh, <clears throat> I'd like you to meet me brother. Uh, hello. Uh, this is your brother? Well, things is tough all over. <laughs> That's why I need the money, sir. You see, me brother here has to have a uh, delicate brain operation. A uh, brain operation? Yes, they've got to remove it. <laughs> yeah, the doctor says it's cluttering up his thoughts. <laughs> and, and it ain't only the operation. Uh, Mr. McIntosh, he's got other troubles. His wife just come back from Chicago with a little bundle in her arms. Yeah, poor dame's got to do her own laundry. <laughs> you had enough, McIntosh? <clears throat> Archie, the answer is no. Mr. McIntosh, take another look at me, brother here. How would you like me to go around telling people he's a director of this bank? <laughs> yeah. Gentlemen, I know when I'm licked. Here's the ten dollars. Well, Rennie, looks like we're all set. You had the money? Yep. Now, uh, where do we start tonight? Uh, you name it, honey. Nah, you name it. Nah, you name it. The stock club. Okay, I'll name it. <laughs> Look, why don't we just go to Joe's Diner? Joe's Diner? But, Archie, it's so cold there. I think I'd be much warmer at the stock club. Excuse me a minute. Eddie, the dame wants to go to the stock club. So what? I only got ten bucks. I got to get some more money. Arch, stumble bum in the seven. Max, are you still here? Uh, uh, just a minute, Ronnie. <clears throat> Max, this stumble bum, is it a good horse? Arch, I would bet him if he was running against my own mother. <laughs> yeah? Okay, here's the ten bucks. Put it on his nose. Eddie, look in the racing form and uh, see what it says about the seventh race. Seventh race. Let me see. <clears throat> say, say, far away should win easily. Mm -hmm. uh, paper boy will be right there at the finish. Mm -hmm. Buzz bomb the one to beat. Fred mm -hmm. Basket has won four in a row. Mm -hmm. Stumble bomb. Yes. Very fond of apples. <laughs> Is that all? <clears throat> no, say, yeah, in his last race, Stumble Bum finished in the money. Uh, finished in the money, huh? Yeah, he jumped the rail and crashed into the $2 window. <laughs> uh, just a minute, Ronnie. I got a horse running in the next race. I got to listen to it on the radio. Huh? Yes, folks, it's the seventh race, and the horses are at the starting gate. All except Stumble Bum. He's having a hard time getting there. The walk from the paddock seems to have tired him out. Max, I think I should have bet on your mother. Well, now the horses are all lined up. Stumblebum is leaning against the starting gate. He's leaning? Well, he's saving his energy. Oh. There's quite a crowd out here at the track today, and... Wait a minute. What's that? There must be a storm coming up. Sounds like thunder. Now, now I'm wrong. It's just Stumblebum snoring. <laughs> Stumblebum seems to be having a little trouble with his legs. He's down on one knee. Max. Uh, uh, well, you see, he's just going into a crouch for a good start. Oh. 
Well, we're all ready to go, folks. And they're off. It's Fly Away, Paper Boy, Buzz Bomb, Bread Basket, and Stumble Bum is coming up fast. You hear that? He's coming up fast. Yes, sir. Stumble Bum gets up off his knees and breaks into a fast dog. He's a slow starter. Oh. And now at the quarter pole, it's Fly Away, Paper Boy, Buzz Bomb, and Bread Basket. And Stumble Bum is bringing up the rear. I had to bet him on his nose. <laughs> Stumblebum, get going, will you? Coming into the far turn, it's still fly away. Paper boy, buzz bomb, and bread basket. Stumblebum, where are you? Probably stopped to ask directions. <laughs> and now as they cross the finish line, it's fly away. And then paper boy, and buzz bomb, and bread basket. What a race this was, folks. A lovely day and a record attendance. And for you folks who are leaving the track and driving home, the officials ask you to please drive carefully. And stumble bump! <laughs> and now, a word about tomorrow's races. Archie! Yeah? What about our dinner date? Well, Ray, as I told you, you know, I was going to take you to the store club and have champagne and caviar and uh, crepe Suzettes and quail. And stumble bump. Any place. But unfortunately, <clears throat> I'm broke. So how about a little dinner here at the tavern, huh? Archie, I just remembered. I have another appointment. Wait a minute, honey. I, I, just a minute. I'll, I'll get the dough. Finnegan, look. You, you still got the 12 bucks you won? Yeah. You still got the hat full of nickels? For sure. Well, let me have it, quick. Well, what do you need it for? You got money in the bank. Oh, Monsieur Finnegan. Yeah? How would you like to take me to the store club? Can we get by on 12 bucks? I think so. Good night, Archie. Sleep tight. <laughs> that Finnegan, what a joke. You see, Eddie? That's the way it is with them horse players. Once a sucker, always a sucker. <laughs> Duffy's Tavern for this evening, but let's meet here again at the same time next Wednesday. Duffy's Tavern is brought to you by Vitalis for well-groomed hair and Truchet, the hand lotion with the beforehand extra. Each Wednesday, Bristol Myers brings you Duffy's Tavern and Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Well, thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's My Friend Irma, followed by Lights Out. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.